Almost every website you visit sets some cookies in your web browser. You've probably heard the term before, but do you know what those cookies are used for? Today we'll explain cookies. Welcome to Copac Explained Software, the podcast where we make computing intelligible. This week, Dave, we're talking about cookies, not the delicious, yummy kind, but a different kind of cookies. Let's start with why are they needed? Well, in a previous episode called How Does the Web Work that I'll link to in the show notes, we talked about the HTTP protocol. This is the protocol that web browsers use to communicate with web servers and vice versa. HTTP is a stateless protocol. It means that every transaction over HTTP, every request you send for a web page, every response that a server sends back to your web browser is totally independent. It's acting on its own. The issue is sometimes we actually need some state. Sometimes when going from one web page to another, we need to know some information about you, the user of that web page. And a cookie is a way of storing a little bit of information that's related specifically to you that can then be transmitted from one web page to the next, essentially from your web browser back to the web server as you traverse a website. When were they invented? Cookies go all the way back to the early web. The original HTTP specification from 1999-91 by Tim Berners-Lee did not include cookies. But Netscape, which was one of the main pioneers in really popularizing the web, invented cookies in 1994, and they were included in Netscape 1.0 in 1995. Now, if you're not familiar with Netscape, we actually covered Netscape in some detail in a prior episode on the browser wars, and I will link to that in the show notes. But basically, Netscape realized there was this issue that if we wanted to have really great commerce on the web, we would need to have a way of keeping track of what a user wanted to buy when going from one website to another, or what a wet user, if the same user was on one web page who had previously been on another web page, maybe they have some preferences. In fact, I read that the very first use of cookies was for tracking user preferences on Netscape.com, the website that was the homepage for the Netscape Corporation that created the Netscape browser. Anyway, the main early use of cookies was for shopping carts. So you're going on some website, there's a few things you wanna buy, You put them into the shopping cart and the data of which things you wanted to buy actually gets stored in a cookie in your web browser. Now today, a modern website wouldn't do it that way. There's databases on any modern shopping site that's keeping track of all the things you've put into your cart. But we still need a way of knowing that you're the same person when you go from one web page to another. So we still need some way of storing your identity and we do that inside of a cookie. Why are they even called cookies? Actually, in the Unix world, and we've talked about Unix on a prior episode, but I won't link to it in the show notes because it's not super relevant. But in the Unix world, there was a term called a magic cookie, which was a little identifier used for one program keeping track of its communication with another program. And so this term magic cookie was known by the creator of cookies at Netscape. And so he actually was inspired by the magic cookie term from the Unix world to call it a cookie in the HTTP world. Now, we weren't able to figure out where magic cookie came from before that, but that's a good little homework for our listeners. If you want to go look into where the magic cookie came from in the Unix world, then you'd know where the origination of the cookie term came from. Now we know why they're needed, when they were invented, and even 
why they're called cookies, but how do they actually work? So it's really pretty simple. How it works is this. When you connect to a web page that wants to give you a cookie, it sends that cookie information back over HTTP along with its response providing the data that you requested over HTTP. So you think about it as just a little addendum to the header that comes back from the web server. And it just says, hey, here's the cookie for you. And it might also give you some things about the cookie, such as this is when the cookie is supposed to expire, or this is the domain of the cookie, or here are some particular key value pairs, some particular bits of information that are relevant to this website. And that information gets read by your web browser and your web browser stores it. And there's two different kinds of cookies it might store. There's cookies that are more permanent. Those are cookies with expiration dates. And then there are cookies that are transitory called session cookies that only exist for the lifetime of the browser being up. Basically, when you close the browser, they go away. So your browser is basically receiving these cookies from the server. And then next time you go to another web page from the same domain, the cookies actually get sent back to the server, and that's how the identification happens. So let me give you a very specific example. The server might send a unique identifier to your web browser that gets stored in a cookie. Then you go to another web page, and that cookie gets sent back to the server with that same unique identifier. Then we know that it was you that was both on that first web page and also on that second web page. Without the cookie, because HTTP is stateless, there would be no way of knowing that it was the same person that went to both web pages without using another mechanism. Now, there are some alternatives to cookies, such as embedding data inside the URL itself or using some data that you actually send back as part of a form back and forth. There's, there's some alternative to cookies, but the main way that we actually keep track of that you're the same person from one web page to another is usually using cookies. So originally, we were using cookies in order to keep track of our shopping carts. But now, there are two primary purposes of cookies. Yeah, the two main things cookies are used for are authentication and tracking. Let's go through them one at a time. Authentication is you log into some website. And now, as you go from one web page to another on that website... We want to know that it's still you. We want to know that you're still validly logged in. So I don't have to keep logging in to whatever site I'm on. Right. Imagine how annoying that is, that you just go from one web page to another and you'd have to enter your username and password over and over and over again. So instead, we store in this cookie this unique token that gets sent back to the server that uniquely identifies you. And then we know, oh, this is valid. You're still logged in. It's still you. We know it's you. And you're coming from the same web browser. So we know it's the same you as it was before. So that's the main thing we use cookies for today that's kind of on, let's say, the light side, okay? Then there's also a dark side to cookies. The bad part of the cookie universe is tracking. So basically, and there's not always bad reasons for tracking. Sometimes there's good reasons for tracking, but for the most part, most people find it kind of dark. So we use cookies to keep track of you actually across different websites too. We've mainly been talking about using them on the same website as you go from one web page to another. But we can also actually use cookies to track you from one website to another website. So let me give you an example. Maybe you go on a website about mustard, and on that website, there's a little advertisement. What we didn't mention earlier is what are called third-party cookies. First-party cookies come from the same domain. Third-party cookies actually can come from a different domain than the main domain of the website that you're on right now. So let's say that you're on the Mustard website and there happens to be an advertisement on that website 
that comes from advertising.com. I'm just making it up, but let's just say it was from advertising.com. The advertising.com advertisement could actually set a cookie. Now you go to a different website, maybe you go to a search engine website, and that search engine website happens to also have a banner ad from advertising.com. Now it's possible for that banner ad to know that it's the same you that was earlier on the mustard website. Uh Uh-oh, you know what it can do now. You're on the search engine website. It can now show you an advertisement for mustard because it knows that it was you earlier on the mustard website because the two advertisements are coming from the same third-party domain that's setting the same cookie. So it's possible to use third-party cookies to track you from website to website to website. And I'm sure this has happened to you before, Rebecca. I'm sure you've been shopping for something, then gone onto another website and wondered, how is there an advertisement for this thing on this totally different website that I was shopping for? Yeah, it's when you think the internet is psychic. Like, how could it possibly know that I was looking for, I don't know, diapers? Right. This doesn't even require any kind of machine learning or artificial intelligence or any kind of predicting or anything like that. It's literally just tracking. You were on one website that happened to have this third-party advertisement that was built into it. It was part of the web page. And then you went to another website that had this third-party banner ad. And you it just knows because it set that cookie in your browser that that was the same you that was on the earlier web page. So these are the two main things that cookies are used for today authentication, keeping track that you're really logged into some site so we don't need to keep logging in over and over again, and tracking. And the reason they want to track you, of course, is they can better target you with ads. So let's shift gears a little bit. Why does it sometimes fix my web browser when something isn't working to clear cookies? Yeah, you might have heard this before. You're having some trouble with some web app and you actually contact support for the company that makes the web app. And they say to you, hey, please go into your browser and clear the cookies and maybe that will resolve your problem. It might be that there's something actually went wrong with the session on the server side and they want you now to have a totally fresh session, a session that's no longer connected to where the data got messed up And it probably was a bug on their part how the data got messed up on the server side before, but they want you to be totally clean, totally fresh, no longer connected to that old data. And so by clearing cookies, when you next go to that website, you're actually going to get a brand new cookie that's going to be connected to a new set of server side data that's going to be freshly created. And hopefully it won't have that same problem that the old data did. So you'll no longer be hooked into, let's say, that bad session where something went wrong. Mm -hmm. So yes, actually clearing cookies when they tell you to do that in support is actually maybe a valid way to fix what's going on. But the reason that they had to do that in the first place is because there was a programmer error generally on the server side that led things to get into a bad state that your cookies were connected to. As users, as folks who are browsing the internet, what should we be aware of or cautious about when encountering cookies or dealing with cookies? The first thing is you shouldn't be completely afraid of cookies because they're used for legitimate purposes, such as keeping you logged in when you're on a certain website. And every website basically uses cookies. So you're going to have a lot of cookies in your web browser, and you shouldn't be totally afraid of that. What you might want to be cautious about is these third-party cookies, these cookies that are tracking you from one website to another because you want some privacy and you frankly just don't want to be tracked. Now, the good news is that several browsers have actually started blocking third-party cookies by default, but not the most popular browser, the browser that most of you are probably using. So starting in 2020, Safari, Firefox, and Brave have all started blocking third-party cookies by default. However, Chrome 
Google Chrome has the majority market share in the browser space, and they say they're going to start blocking third-party cookies in 2023 by default. However, you can actually get some cookie blocking right now in Chrome if you go into incognito mode, but that also turns off browser history and some other things. So here's my advice to you. If you're actually worried about third-party tracking right now, you might actually want to switch browsers from Google Chrome and use a browser that by default blocks third-party cookies. Now, I'm also a little bit skeptical that they're actually going to follow through with this plan. You might wonder, why did the other browsers start blocking it in 2020 and Google plans to only start blocking it in 2023 by default? Well, of course, Google makes the vast majority of its revenue through advertising. And advertising is much more effective when we have this tracking going from one website to another because we can follow you and keep targeting you for something that you were already interested in. So Google has an incentive to actually keep tracking you. So no surprise then that they're the last ones and we don't know if they're even going to fall through in 2023 to actually block you. Safari and Firefox are not coming from advertising companies and so they don't, or Brave for that matter, and so they don't have the incentive to go and track you as you go from one website to another. So yeah, that's the one thing I'd be cautious about is, look, if you really don't want to be tracked, uh, maybe you switch browsers. The other thing is that there are all kinds of security vulnerabilities that happen through cookies. However, you as an end user probably are not the one who's going to be worrying or thinking about that. So yes, there are many different kinds of attacks that can happen via cookies, unfortunately. For example, the most basic one is that a web server could just store some important data unencrypted in a cookie, and then that cookie could somehow get exposed to bad actors. So for example, there's been historical cases where a website was storing a credit card number inside of an unencrypted cookie, and then the way that they set up those cookies, they actually could be exposed to other domains because they weren't locked into the original domain and then those credit card numbers got exposed. There's been crazy attacks like that in the past, but you as the end user, you're not going to go and like be solving those difficult cases. More likely what you might want to do from time to time is just clear your cookies. It's not a bad thing to do. Once a year, maybe go into your browser and clear your cookies. The thing is, if you clear your cookies though, for everything in your browser, you'll need to re-log in to every site that you go to. So it's a little bit annoying, but it's not the worst idea in the world to once in a while do that. We actually did a little experiment to see how many cookies were blocked on a website. And what were the results? Yeah, we just went to a really basic popular website, yahoo.com, and we looked at what Safari provides, which is the privacy report because Safari actually blocks all these third-party cookies. They actually give you a report on which ones they blocked if you dig in and you want to see that. So just on yahoo.com, there were 65 trackers that were prevented from profiling us. And if you look through the list of trackers, a lot of these are advertising companies. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. Everything from Microsoft advertising to Amazon advertising to Google advertising, all appeared as trackers on yahoo.com. So by using Safari, I actually prevented quite a bit of tracking. And if I had been in Google Chrome, by default, I would have been tracked by these 65 different cookies coming from a myriad of different companies. So a couple of years ago, I noticed that we started getting pop-ups on like every single website asking me if I approve of the cookies. What was that? Yes, the European Union passed a regulation called GPDR, 
which came into effect in 2018. And that's when we started seeing these pop-ups on so many different websites saying, do you accept all the cookies on this website? And you have to click a little accept button to really get the full functionality of the website. So should I be accepting those cookies when a website asks me? For the most part, yes. I mean, most of these cookies are not really dangerous and they're really, unless you're really worried about tracking on some particular website, there's no reason really not to accept. It's, in my opinion, a very, very poorly thought out regulation. I mean, the amount of time that all of us have lost clicking those pop-ups on the, for the average internet user, it has to have added up to hours by now over the last few years. And that is just so annoying, so unnecessary. There's other ways to go about this. You know, regulation is not always a solution to every problem on the internet. And I think this was a very poorly thought out regulation. The problem is that if you don't have the pop-up, then you have no way of saying that you actually comply with this website tracking you, which is what the regulation requires. It requires that you actually consent to being tracked by this website's cookies. And so how can you consent without actually clicking a button saying, I consent? And that's why you're seeing these pop-ups on any website that basically touches Europe in some way, which is like almost every website. So uh, it's super annoying. I don't agree with the regulation. I think it was really poorly thought out the way it's done. It's not to say that maybe there shouldn't be some regulation in this area. That's a topic for another episode. But the way that this regulation was thought out and implemented makes no sense, in my opinion. All right. Thanks for listening to us this week. Rebecca, how can people get in touch with us on Twitter? We're at Kopec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. Don't forget to follow us or subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Bye.